My name is Haley Winter. You are listening to How's the Pressure, my podcast about what happens behind the scenes in the massage world. My guest today is Heather Schlachter. Uh, She's been in the healthcare field for almost 30 years, and 20 of which she has spent as the director of Somatic Therapy Associates. And I wanted to talk to her because she has the valuable perspective of building up a practice until at one point it had 10 therapists, and then decided to scale it back down. A couple of episodes ago, I talked to Stan Barrett. And we had a great conversation about what it takes to grow a practice into something more than just yourself. And now we get to see the flip side of that, that sometimes even though we may think we want growth and expansion, what we may need may in fact be something different. We get to tackle some good issues about pay and even a reality check on how much profit your employer may or may not be taking home. So let's jump into it. I give you my conversation with Heather. So today we have with us Heather Schlachter. Welcome, Heather. Thank you, Haley. Good to be here. Yeah, so Heather has been practicing bodywork for over 27 years, and she started a successful massage practice with multiple practitioners working underneath her, and uh, now she actually mentors massage therapists as they attempt to grow their own practices. So I'm really excited to have her on. So you started bodywork yeah, 27 years ago, so in the 80s? Uh, yeah. In the 80s, right? <laughs> back in the 80s. Was it different back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was it different? Um, wow. So I went to school in Sacramento, and um, we used oil then. Just oh. plain old oil. Yeah. Yeah, we might just, you know get some canola oil or olive oil or whatever. There was no fancy, there was no biotone or any of these other things. And um, we didn't worry as much about draping as we do now. Things were, you know, just kind of coming out of the 70s. Mm-hmm. More laissez-faire. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was uh, very different. Very oh. different. And you started a massage practice. I did. Tell me um, about that. Well, I, alongside working in physical therapy, um, a lot of the clients because their prescription for their PT treatment would end, then they wanted to continue therapy with me. And so in conjunction with working in the PT office, I opened my private practice and would continue to see people who needed therapy ongoing after you know they were done. Um, and it was a great way to build my practice. So it was primarily working with injuries and rehab. So um, I finally got to the point where I was so busy, I couldn't take any more clients. And I that really bothered me because I, you know, as a therapist, wanted to be able to help everybody that needed help, right? That called me. I felt badly that I wasn't able to. Um, and at the time, I was teaching at McKinnon and had met a lot of great new therapists that, you know, were excited and really wanted to start a practice. And so I would bring them in to work in my office on the days that I wasn't available, and I would hand them clients that I wasn't able to fit into my practice. And I would mentor them and help them know kind of how to work with clients, how to evaluate, how to make a treatment plan and assess, and um, generally just how to run, you know, a good private practice on their own. So that's how it all began. And how many therapists did you have at its height? 
Well, it started out slowly where I just had one, and then I had two, and um, I think at the most I ever had was seven. Okay. Seven at once. So seven at once. It wasn't huge, but yeah. No, but that sounds like there's, there's quite a bit of managing that has to happen. Once you get above like two or three, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot to handle. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I think, um, I mean, I'm definitely a therapist at heart, but I'm, I love to teach. And it was a big part of what I did with clients was teaching them. I wanted to help educate them about about their body, what was going on for them, how stress was affecting them, how they could make a change, how they could bring more awareness to their body. And I, th- I think that that was a huge part of my hands-on work and and the therapy I did with clients was helping the client learn about themselves and that that was how they could make change in their life. Um, And so bringing practitioners in to work with me, it was the same thing. I was teaching them about themselves. What wonderful qualities did they have as a therapist that they could bring to the work and how to bring that mindfulness and that presence into the room with the client so that they could help then those clients get better. Even though I couldn't see them, they could see them. And all together, we could be seeing lots of people and helping them. Yeah. yeah. So what what was the reason why you stopped? What what, what made you pull back? Um, we, we were very, very busy. And um, then the recession came. So that was difficult. It really changed what was going on in the field and what, how much people could spend on their, you know, on their health and so forth. Recession meaning 2008? Yeah. Yep. 2008, 2009, it really started to impact mm-hmm. um, deeper and deeper. I think there was the original shock and then the kind of fallout later. Um, and I also had a newborn baby at the time. I was my second child. And um, I was the receptionist, the janitor, the manager, the marketer, the, you know, I was wearing many, many hats. Well, running. it was it, when you start your own business. That's, that's what, what happens. You do. Yeah. yeah, and so um, I was working seven days a week, at least twelve hours a day, and I was the one who answered the phone. So I constantly had to be have my phone be on call, and it's hard when you've got a little baby and a, and a toddler. And uh, I remember one day taking my son down to the park, and he looked at me and he said, "Mommy, can you just leave your phone at home?" And I felt really bad. I couldn't leave my phone at home. So I needed to I needed to make some changes so that I could be more available, more available for them. So ended up closing down the main office and using satellite offices that we could utilize as needed rather than having this giant overhead that we had to pay every month. Mm. And um, it really helped a lot. Yeah. It really helped a lot. Well, speaking of overhead, this is something that I, I think has been, uh, it's in discussions um, in the back rooms of massage therapy offices, centers, and spas. Is, um, what do you think therapists who work for spas or larger like massage entities, do they have an accurate sense of the margins that the businesses take home, or is it not accurate? Uh, I, I mean... I'm sure you can't completely generalize, but no, I would say in general, until you've tried to run the business on your own, it's hard to fully grasp what all goes into trying to keep the doors open, you know, month in and month out, signing that lease, that means you have to pay X Mm -hmm. amount, Mm -hmm. Um, all the hidden costs and things that you don't think about, and um, I remember a therapist once saying is, 
well, I, I think it's better to just work on your own because then you get to keep all the money. And I said, well, are you sure about that? Are you sure you get to keep all the money? Well, yeah, they, they pay me, I get to keep it. Well, did you buy business cards? Well, yeah, of course. Well, did you make a flyer? Well, yeah, I made flyers, you know, advertising. And um, Did you buy a massage table? Yeah, of course. How about sheets? Lotion. You know, there's all of these things that, of course, you have to pay that. That comes out of that income. And when you have a giant practice, there's a lot more overhead and a lot mm -hmm. more things that people don't, don't see until they try it themselves. Yeah, I think that, you know, from my personal experience, therapists have this this idea that the therapist gets paid 30%, let's say, on a massage. And the business will probably spend about 20% on overhead and the rest they take home as profit, like 50%. So on a $100 massage, the $50 will actually go into the owner's pocket. Do you think that that's anywhere close to reality? Not not in my experience, not at all. In, a, in that scenario where you're charging $100 for a session... And the therapist is getting thirty. Mm -hmm. How much goes into the owner's pocket, in your experience? Well, I mean, you have to kind of look at. First of all, I mean, this is one thing that I try to help people with is, when you first are setting up your practice, you want to try to keep your overhead as low as you possibly can, right? Because, mm -hmm. um, renting an office in the Bay Area is very expensive. You're lucky if it's less than 25% of the income just for your office. And then that doesn't even cover any advertising. Advertising is very expensive. Yeah. I mean, I think some of them are asking $500 a month to advertise for you, right? So if you add of those things up, at the end of the day, there may not be that much left over, which was what I found to be happening quite a bit. Hmm. You know, paying the bills, but there was no left, nothing left. So would you, what, what would you say, your average in a $100 massage, what would you take home in your previous business? Well, it really depends on what was going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the other thing with um, private practice is um, you want to take a vacation. Right. So you're gone for a week. There's no income. Right. Your clients all get the flu. Right. And they don't come in for a week. Well, you've just lost a week of income, but the overhead never changes. Right. The things you've signed up for every month never change. Right. That's a good point. I think that you know, therapists assume that there's going to be the consistent income and the consistent overhead, and those two things never change. But the truth is, one of those does change. So the profit you take home is actually fluctuating wildly, mm -hmm. depending on how many people come through. Right. So let me rephrase the question, mm -hmm. which is that in a good year or a good month, how much of that $100 goes into your pocket versus in a bad month, how much goes into your pocket or comes out of your pocket? Yeah. Well, it can go either way and it mm -hmm. can go quickly. I mean, I think... Um, I realize I'm asking you to estimate from something that happened many years ago. Yeah. But I think it's an important, yeah. um, it's an important touch point for therapists to understand yeah. what, the, what the businesses actually go through. Well... I mean, I can only speak from my own experience, but, you know, I think if you'd say off of one session after all the bills were paid, maybe 10%, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, it wasn't... On a, on a good month? On a good month. On a good month. When we were consistently busy. When you're consistently busy yeah. on a $100 massage, the business would, you would actually, you as the owner would actually take home $10. Yeah, I would say. Okay. And that was when things were busy and consistent. I mean, you have to realize too is... 
when you open a business, there's a lot of um, paying out in the beginning to furnish, to get all of, it, all of the linens, everything that you need. And so you're constantly trying to pay that back. Right. Right? Right. And any advertising that you've done, you're constantly trying to pay that back just so that you can then break even and hopefully make some profit. And then your heater breaks and you've got to repair it. And then there's another expense like, you know, owning a home. You know, constantly trying to keep up with the repairs and the supplies and things that you need to keep the doors open. Yeah. Yeah. So on this subject, it feels like there's an obvious disparity between what the therapist thinks the business makes versus what the business actually makes. Mm -hmm. Does it create a rift between the therapist and the business to have that perceptual disparity? Well, I mean, I think it, it certainly can. I mean, I think it depends on what are the goals of that therapist, right? Why did they take that job in the spa or whatever? Are they... Um, happy letting somebody else run the business part for them because some people don't want to do that. Some people want to just show up to work, see the clients, and they want to go home and they want to be done. <laughs> but running the business happens in the background all the time, on the weekends, at night, you know. Um, and some people don't want to do that, but some people do. So if the, if the therapist's goal is to go and work in this business and kind of learn you know, how could I do this? How could I run my own practice? Well, then the, that would serve them, right? It would serve them if they're there to get that education. And, it, and they're paying for it, right? And, and also, I think, as a business owner, it's our job to provide that environment for them. I shouldn't, um, at 12 o'clock at night, email all my therapists and say, Hey, should we do this marketing? What do you think? Do we have enough money? You know what I mean? It's, it's not their job. It's my job to figure that out. And it's my expertise that, that should be um, telling me what to do and what decisions to make. I shouldn't burden them with that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it depends on the goal of the therapist. Whether or not they take it, they feel like they're being taken advantage of? Right. So if they... Um, are there and they feel like they're t being taken advantage of, then I think, again, they have to look at themselves. Why am I here? Am I happy to have somebody else providing this environment for me and doing all the background stuff? Or is it something that I want to do and I can use this as a learning time, you know, a time that I can look at how they're running the business. Would I do it the same way or would I run it differently? Right. right? If they're not in one of those two places, then yes, they might feel like they're being taken advantage of, right? If they're not looking at the overhead, what does the owner have to do to keep the doors open? If I decide, you know, as the therapist that I'm going to take two weeks off, do they think about, well, oh, the owner now isn't going to have any income from me. How are they going to pay the bills? Right. Will, will my job still be here when I come back? They tend not to think about they that. They don't. Yeah. Right. But it's also, in, in some points, it's not their job to think about that. That is also correct. Right. But if they feel like they're being taken advantage of, I think that's the time when they need to kind of look and see, well, or is this not the place for me to be working? Right. Right. Well, could the ownership be proactive in, you know, you shared with me that you felt that you took home in a good 
month, 10%. Mm -hmm. If that was made plain to the therapist, do you think that would help change their feelings? Well, yeah, I think it, I think when I, when I had my practice, I was much more transparent with the staff and we would talk about marketing as a group, but I also, my office was different. I, I, you know, if you go and you work at a big spa, I don't think that they particularly want to give that information to their staff. Yeah. And my question is why? Well, one it's not that therapist's job mm -hmm. to know all of the stuff that the owner is trying to do to keep the mm -hmm. doors open and mm -hmm. the decisions that the owner has to make. It's mm -hmm. not their job. Mm -hmm. They came here to see clients and be done. Yeah. Right? Secondly, if you get a good therapist who people are returning to come and see, you want to keep them. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So you want to, um, in a big spa like that, probably not try to educate and and uh, help them learn more about how to run a business. Right. <laughs> right? You, why would you want to do that? You know, right. you don't want them to leave. You want them to stay and make minimum wage and show up for their eight hours a day and, and see the clients like they've been doing, status right. quo. You know? Which would beg the question. It's like at that point, well, then doesn't it seem from the therapist's point of view that if a business is not willing to be transparent about their financials, that they are in some ways trying to take advantage of you? Because... They want you to work there for fifteen dollars an hour, and not show you the actual overhead and what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, right, yeah. but I, I think there is some kernel of truth to the, or at least some reason or logical reason for therapists to be paranoid or to be upset or to be even a little bit concerned that they're being taken advantage of if they don't have some. Not some access to the financials. They don't need to have influence. They don't need to be made aware of any of decisions that need to be made in terms of um, marketing. We're going to go with this newspaper or Yelp format or whatever. Right. But some sort of clarity of, oh, this is how much I think they're taking home. And this is what they're actually taking home. And if the numbers make the therapist feel bad and they want to leave, that, I think, is what they feel the business is trying to guard against. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, 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 I think the jury's still out because obviously most businesses withhold that information. Right. Uh, professional boundaries um, mm -hmm. or because they, they need that boundary to, so let's say, keep some of the good therapists mm -hmm. and... And, and help that make up for some of the therapists that don't draw quite as much, and that kind of evens itself out. And in the end, that creates a business for, that works for everyone. Right. Um, so there may be a reason like that at some point, but uh, there's a part of me that is, is kind of wanting to scratch that little, mm -hmm. that little scab of the, of the business world and be like, why aren't you being more forthcoming? Right? right. And, and I think also, I mean... If you work at McDonald's and you get paid minimum wage, do you ask the owner of that McDonald's, how much are you making every day on the food that I am preparing and serving to these people? And what's my percentage of that? And what's your percentage of profit? Do you, know, you see what I mean? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, I think as a therapist, you have to look at what's important to you, right? What is your goal? Do you want to someday open your own private practice, right? And, and with the knowledge, knowing that then you will be in charge of the overhead and all of the things that the business owner has to do, right? So you need to see the clients and you also have to have this other hat, this other job of running the business. If that's your goal and you go and you work in a spa, learn while you're there, okay? So you, yes, you're not going to maybe make as much and you will have these questions about, well, how much are they making, right? And you can certainly ask. You can certainly ask. What, what is the take-home, you know, for the business owner, right? But also know that any business, any job that you get, there's always a cost associated. You can be a high-tech sales guy, and you can sell a million dollars package. Well, you're not going to take that million dollars. The company's taking that, and then they'll give you your commission, right? That's, that's the world. That's how it works, yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Well, switching gears a little bit, now that you, you now work with therapists and growing their, their private practices, um, what's the most common question that you, or question or problem that you hear them talk about when they first see you? Um, I think that what I used to always hear and constantly hear is, I, I need more clients. How do I get more clients? Mm. How do I get them? Where, right. are, where are they? Where are they? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Out in the abyss somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so that's what they tell you is their 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 question is Mm -hmm. what is the thing that is most common that they don't say when they come what problem do they not mention but is currently existing well i think what's kind of the answer to that question is what are you doing to create a practice where you're being the best therapist that you can be how are you differentiating yourself? And um, how, what are you doing to get the word out? How are you marketing that? And, and then that's how the clients come, right? Is you create a solid practice where you're you know, putting certain things into place where it's um, a place that the clients want to come and they want to return, right? Because that's the key, is you want people to come back. So if they don't have a good first experience, they are not going to come back, right? So one of the most important things is creating that sort of environment for the client in the first place. So what it sounds like is that initially when people come see you, the focus they have is on the outside. It's like, where are these people that I need to see? Right. And the thing they're not looking at is inside. What am I doing to make this happen. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's valuable. Yeah. What's the most common thing massage therapists make a mistake with make a mistake with when they first start their practice? Before they come see you, before they seek out help, when they're just going to start their practice, what's the first thing that goes wrong for them in your experience? Uh, I would say getting in over their head financially. Um, taking on too much overhead? Taking on too much overhead. What does that look like? Well, you... First of all, it's easy to look at an office and just fall in love with the building, right? Like this one. (laughs) It's amazing, right? We're in a nice building. Right? This is a beautiful building. And um, as a therapist, of course, you want to have that 
special place where your clients are going to come. Um, and you also need to know that you have enough consistent business going on that you can support that office rent, even if you have a really bad month, even if you have a couple really bad months. You need to really safeguard and make sure you can keep this going, right? Because it's all about it's all about working with your client, right? It's it's not super duper important if you're on an awesome street in an amazing office. What's important is the work that you're going to do, right? And and what you create inside of that office, the presence that you bring for your clients, the mindfulness that you offer. Those are the things that are so important, but I think sometimes we get tied into thinking that we got to have this big, awesome place and spend lots of money decorating it. It's not, it's not the most important thing, and I think that it's what is the downfall to a lot of new therapists. I think they, they jump in and spend a lot of money, maybe take out loans, and then later go, oh gosh, what have I done? Right. Yeah. Well, it kind of speaks to you know, this kind of thread that I, I hear consistently throughout the massage therapist community is that... I'm not good at business. I, I don't know how to create budgets and like set aside and figure out what a good month is versus a bad month. I'm, I'm just not good at business, so I don't even know where to start with this. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that's such a common idea or a common thought process for massage therapists? Well, I think because really at their core, they're healers. They're healers. They're, um, they feel called to this. Right? They want to help people. Um, and I think we often are told or we learn or we think at some level that if we're going to help people, we actually shouldn't make any money for that. Kind of like a Mother Teresa thing. Like, I'm just, I just want to go out and I want to help people and that's what's important. Right? Um, but behind that is... If the therapist can't pay their bills, if they can't take care of themselves, then they're not available for their clients in the way they need to be, right? So it, it actually, it, it's, not, um, it's not brain surgery, mm-hmm. <laughs> the saying, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some simple tools and, and um, just some discipline of keeping up on the little things rather than waiting until tax time and then going, oh, God, you know, what did I do? What happened? And so forth. So, um, and that's what I try to teach people is, you know, to try to take the little steps, keep it going throughout the year so that you have everything organized and um, it, it can totally be done. And, and they can um, make money and support themselves and heal themselves and, and do the things they need to do so that they can be totally present for their client and not be stressed about, oh my gosh, how am I going to buy groceries this month, right? Yeah, I think that it it does seem like the field draws a type of personality mm-hmm. that pushes away the idea of business or finance as some sort of foreign or sterile or even evil mm-hmm. entity. Right. Um so I think that, that they just need support in that way. And reaching, the, yeah. where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? And just because I'm not, quote unquote, good at business, doesn't mean I can't get better at business. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I can't reach out to someone like you and say, hey, here's 
where I could use some help. Help me. Help other people. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, massage therapists are creative, artistic souls, right? And the beautiful thing is when you show up for your client and you're there in the room with them, that you're marketing yourself right then. And I think a lot of therapists don't realize that. That they think it's something you do wearing a suit walking down the street or something, right? Right. I mean, a lot of the marketing happens right there in the room with your client. Yeah. Right? And then the other thing is marketing and and running a business can look lots of different ways. And the therapist can use their creativity to create it the way they want it to be, the way it works for them. Right? It doesn't have to be the same for every person. So whatever they think business is that... They don't know how to do may not even be the way they would do it. You know right. what I mean? As long as they have some routines and some things that they do to maintain it throughout the year, it's, yeah. it's important. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Heather. It was a pleasure. Thank it you. has been a pleasure on my end as well. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you to learn about your services or to ask you any questions, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Um, email somatic therapy associates at yahoo.com or check out the website somatic therapy associates.com okay yeah. awesome all right well thank you so much thank you well thank you so much for tuning in today if you enjoyed the episode please go ahead and review it on itunes and if you have any questions that you had wished i had asked or topics you want me to cover in the future please visit the website at www.housethepressure.com where you can send me an email and hopefully I can include it. Until next time, be good and be well.